Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. And uh, there's a couple of themes that, that emerge through the book of Daniel. One of them is just God's faithfulness and just presence and plan continuing throughout persecution, throughout a lot of stuff coming against the people of God. Um, and then one or two other themes that we'll, we'll chat about as we go along. So I'll, obviously we can't read the whole thing, but I'm going to read a few bits and pieces here and there. And... Um, and firstly, we, they start with this. Uh, so now they've been recruited. They've into this special program where they have to learn the culture. They have to learn the language. Um, they're going to be serving in the palace and the, you know, the court of the king. And um, and uh, and there's this challenge about they now have to have, have all this opportunity to eat all this amazing food that the king um, normally, you know, the special foods and things, but that would mean that they would have to go against their beliefs, their faith, their um, disciplines that they were brought up with. And this is where it starts, right at the beginning. They're still teenagers, they're still young, they're still inexperienced to a large degree, and now is the big test. Um, and I, often, I found this often, that when we go into a new environment or challenging season, it's as if the right, the first test is almost the most important one. Eh? That first test of, um, are you going to stick to your f belief? Are you going to stick to your um, conviction? And uh, and this one, this one comes quite early on. So Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And they And they kind of go back and forth, and the guy explains he's going to get in trouble for this. And then verse 12, he says, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat, water to drink. Then let our parents and the parents of the, of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. Um, so he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in the flesh than the youths who ate the king's food. So right there, there was already favor, um, and there was already a blessing. They refused to um, give in to be conformed to this, to the, this world that they were living in now. And, uh, and then verse 17 goes on, As for these young four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. The king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first king the first year of King Cyrus. Um, and it just kind of sets the tone for the whole account of, of Daniel's life. Um, he, the right on the, on the end, you know, the first kind of step, they get tested. 
And uh, I remember when I joined the Air Force, and even, you know, going into res and, and, you know, a lot of new seasons where you meet new people and you maybe new work environment. There's always that first period where <laughs> it's, it's, and I found it's almost that first opportunity where, where you realize I'm going to now have to stand up for what I believe in. It's almost the most important one because that kind of sets the tone. It's so difficult after two years in a workplace to sell somebody, I'm a Christian, if you didn't do it in the first week, you know. <laughs> Can you relate to that, you know? It gets more difficult later on. Um, and, uh, and it's so powerful how they, right from the get-go, they, they, they refuse to be conformed to the world that they're in. They refuse to, to bow to the, the system. And, they, and God gives them amazing favor um, and God promotes them. They obviously do their best. There's a really an excellent spirit in them to, you know, to give glory to God and what they do. But you can see the favor and blessing of God on their lives. Um, and, um, but I'm, I'm trying to get my head around this now because um, these were Jewish boys, you know, doing their thing, being very, you know, very much in their set ways. And now they're in this absolutely ungodly situation. The worst that you can imagine. If you think you're in an in a ungodly work situation, I think these guys can relate. <laughs> we're in a similar one, you know. Um, but, but somehow, they keep their hearts pure before God. They keep their eyes and their hearts focused on Him. And they, they see the hand of God in what, in what, and where He's put them. Coming Now, just to remember, coming from the place of having had all these dreams, having had all these plans, I'm sure... Having had careers lined up for themselves, everything has changed. Everything is different now. Now they're wrestling with the realities. How, how does this fit into God's plan for my life? What about all those, those ideas and you know, those hopes and dreams I had? How does this all fit together? And how do I find the kingdom of God and the purposes of God in this absolutely ungodly situation? Um, yet God is with them. His purpose remains. I mean, His plan remains. His faithfulness remains. Okay, so um, they're learning the culture, they're learning the language, and then um, they get appointed into um, specific jobs uh, in, in kind of serving the king. And then this, the first dream happens, okay? There's lots of dreams and visions in the book of Daniel. So the king has a dream, and this we, we get to know this king is not a very reasonable guy, okay? So he says, listen, um, I need somebody to not only interpret the dream, he wants somebody to tell him the dream as well. Okay? Now all the guys are saying, all these magicians and, you know, all those guys are saying, oh, it doesn't work like that. You have to tell us the dream and we, we'll tell you the interpretation. He says, no, you're going to make something up. Tell me the dream. <laughs> and then he, and nobody can tell him the dream and then he decides, okay, he's going to kill everybody. All the wise men, he's just going to wipe them. They're worthless. Clearly, they're not wise at all. Clearly, they're not, <laughs> not worth anything. And then Daniel hears about this, and he says, "Well, guys, we've got to save these. We've got to save ourselves." I think they're also in line to be wiped. And then, um, and he says, "He says, listen, can you give us an opportunity to, to to ask God?" And then he goes and he asks his small group to pray for him. Okay, because. Uh, that's what they were. I mean, this is these guys, him and these three guys. Uh, and it's, but, but how cool is this? But Daniel clearly was a guy, man of faith, okay, even at that young age. 
he was gifted in interpreting dreams and visions, but he goes to his friends and he says, guys, we've got to pray. And they seek God together and they seek the face of God and they ask God about this together. Can you see how powerful that dynamic is? That they, He's not on his own mission. He, he, although he is full of faith, he knows he needs the prayers and the support of those that God has put with him. Amen. And he goes and they pray together. Um, he's, you know, he stays in that wisdom of you know, the fellowship of the saints. He seems to be accountable. You know, he's being, walking in accountability. They're seeking the kingdom of God together in this absolute crazy environment. Um, each of them having probably be placed in different places and different responsibilities, but still they have this place where they can come and pray together and where they can support each other. And I think it's so relevant for us today that when we, you know, face so many challenges in our daily work life or in, our, in whichever place God has called you to, to serve in, make sure you have that safe place. Make sure you have that community that can cover you in prayer, that can stand with you in faith, that can, when there is, there's an absolutely... Um, unfair stuff happening or you've got an unreasonable boss or whatever the situation is, pray pray together. Stand in faith with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Um, so what happens is um, God does give Daniel the not only the interpretation but the dream. He gives it to him in perfect detail. He shares it with the king. And um, let's read from Daniel chapter 2 there from verse 27. Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that, that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. And he, he tells them all the details. Um... And then we continue, verse 46. Then Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. Okay, this is hectic stuff. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of lords and revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler of the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over the, all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. But I want to point out something here that is one of the, the, the kind of a pattern we see emerging here. Every time Daniel has to step up and minister to the king, he, beforehand he says, it's not me. He, he gives glory to God. Can you see this? And you'll see it every time he... Even before, and he said, listen, you need to understand this, king. This is not, I'm not special. I'm not, nothing of this is to do with me. But there is a God in heaven. And he kind of immediately, before he even gives the interpretation, he, he gives all the glory to God and all the credit to God. And he says, this is the God whom I serve. And this is the God who gives dreams, who gives interpretations. And he's the one that deserves all the glory. And obviously the king still gives him stuff and still promotes him, but Daniel every time makes very sure that he doesn't take any of the credit for himself. He makes sure that the king knows 
who the one is that's giving the, the interpretation, that's giving the dreams. And can you imagine this? The most ungodly, one of the most ungodly monarchs of all time, he bows before the king of Lord. He bows before God, basically, and he says, God, your God is God of gods and Lord, um, Lord of kings. And he actually acknowledges that God is, is king of kings. Can you see that? He's the Lord of lords. And there's also there's a bit of a progression happening there, which we'll see in a moment. Okay, so, so every time this happens, Daniel makes sure he gives all glory and honor to God. And then they are promoted, um, and God gives, gives him more favor, even amongst all this craziness happening, even amongst them almost being dead because of the, the, the king of the dream, and even amongst all these other magicians. Now, can you imagine your colleagues in that situation? All magicians, you know, all these hectic, you know, witch doctor types. These are your co-workers, you know, this is now the work environment. And then they put Daniel in charge of all of these guys, okay? Hectic. Okay. Um, Daniel 3, we know, this is the very well-known account of the, where this is boggles my mind because just now we see that the king Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges God as king, right? As Lord. Then almost the next verse he builds this big statue and he and he makes this decree <laughs> that everybody has to pray to this thing when the music sounds and you know, everybody has to bow. He just acknowledges that Daniel and, and the guys God is the real God, and then he builds this thing. It's just, anyway, crazy stuff happening. And you know the story, they, um, they refuse to bow before the statue. Again, they are um, in this temptation. I don't know where Daniel was. Maybe he was away on a business trip or something, but he was not mentioned in this part. Um, but again, there's this thing of, are you going to conform? Are you going to bow before this rule, this law, this thing that, the world that you live in now has dictated your king, your boss, your government. This, this is what's being dictated. If you don't do this, you will die. Okay. And they just, and by the grace of God, they stand strong and they just say, "No way, we're not going to do this." Um, you know the story. They refuse to bow, and one of my, I'm not going to read that part, but one of the my favorite scriptures is where they say. Our God is able to deliver us to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But then they add this key disclaimer. But even if he doesn't, <laughs> in other words, they, they realize God is sovereign. They realize there's a chance that God will not deliver them because he's sovereign. He can do what he wants. He, if, he doesn't ignore, if he doesn't deliver us, we still won't bow before anything else, which is kind of mute because they will be dead then. But... The point is that they said, even if he chooses not to deliver us, he's still the only king of kings and lord of lords. And there's this powerful thing that happens. There's an angel of the Lord right there with them in the fire. The king sees there's a fourth man in the fire. The king sees what is going on. He calls them out. Huge thing happens because they, they're, not, they're not even, there's not a hair on their heads that's touched. Okay, They don't even smell of smoke. And... Um, Again, the king realizes this is a huge miracle. He realizes this is real God, and he bows and he acknowledges God again. And um, 
he, he praises the God of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He acknowledges him before all these people. So again, there's a powerful dynamic where God is glorified publicly by this absolutely pagan monarch, okay? Um, can you imagine that in a, in a modern context, you know, all over the news, this very well-known monarch has declared that, that God is the king above all kings and the Lord of all lords. So he praises him, um, and um, and then goes into Daniel chapter four, um, and again, you know, it starts with the king actually praising God and giving glory to him, and then he has another dream, and this is an interesting one because this is a warning, and and even as David, ugh, as Daniel shares the interpretation, he's very careful he's <laughs> in the way that he tells him, you know, because he realizes it's not good news. Uh, but it's a warning um, that he should not take the glory for himself, as he keeps on doing, the king. Um, and then, and it's not on the screen, but in verse 27 there, it says, this is Daniel's advice. He says, therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may be per- may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. So he's telling you, listen, the stuff is going to go pear-shaped soon, you know. <laughs> but unless you repent, unless you, you know, stop doing these things, unless you begin practicing righteousness. So this is a warning. And then within about a year's time, the king's forgotten about this, and he's, he stands on, in his top of his palace, and he's just is amazed by what he's achieved, and he's, you know, taking all the glory for himself. And he makes these proclamations about how amazing he is. And right there, words, you know, Scripture says there that the words were still in his mouth. Then the Lord spoke, and he said, listen, this is what's going to happen, exactly as you were warned. And right there, within a, within a matter of, I don't know how, within a very short period, he goes completely insane. He becomes like an ox in a field. He literally lives, he eats grass. He lives like an ox in a field. I think for for years. Um, how, how's that? Eh? <laughs> Any guess? So, yeah, guys, just tip. Don't take the glory for yourself. Okay, it's a clear tip here in Scripture for us. But apparently, oh, he just becomes like an animal. He lives like this wild animal in the field. But the powerful thing is that there, there's a time when he, beca- he, he receives clarity again, and he chooses to glorify God. And he chooses to humble himself before God. This is Nebuchadnezzar. And right there, God restores his sense. He restores his, his um, mind. And he's also restored as king. Can you believe that? I was like, how is that possible? You know, what did they do in the meantime? Who was in charge? Anyway, I've got lots of questions. But, uh, but the Lord restores him as king the moment he humbles himself before God. The moment he acknowledges again that God is God. You know, and this is one of the themes that arises that as humans, as we as humans, if we exalt ourselves and we, be, we become so full of ourselves, become like beasts, <laughs> and it just goes pear-shaped, worse and worse. But the moment when we humble ourselves, the moment we, are, we choose to bring glory to God, He is able to, exalt us, and He's able to actually prosper us and bless us. Okay, okay so, so He's actually restored right at the end there, 
um, when the moment that he humbles himself and the moment that he acknowledges that God is God and he is actually Lord of Lords. Okay. That chapter 5, we'll see, we see his, his son. Similarly, um, his name is uh, Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar. He becomes king. He, he's even worse than his dad. You know, he, he just doesn't, he refuses to humble himself. Okay. In fact, there's, he has this massive feast. You can read the details there. Um, and he publicly basically blasphemes God. They use the, all the, the gold and the silver that they got from the temple in Jerusalem, and they have a big party. And there's a massive, um, there's this hand that appears up against the wall, and there's this writing, if you remember the story. And, the write, and Daniel is called to come and interpret the writing and the writing basically says, listen, you've been weighed and you've been found wanting. You've not given God the glory. You've taken all the glory for yourself. Um, and the king dies that same night. All right, so that's a hectic judgment right there. He refuses to humble himself and he pays with his life that same night. Now, this is already, then it's King Darius after that. Now, this is already the third king, right? <laughs> Daniel's still there hanging, out, hanging in there. In this, in this crazy um, job that he's got, um, his friends are still there. They're still serving. This is years down the line. They're still serving in this foreign kingdom. They're still serving in this absolutely ungodly environment. But what's so powerful for me to see is that even amongst all the chaos, even amongst kings coming and going, who's, who's in control? The king of kings is still in control. God is still on the throne. He judges the, 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 you know, the kings of the earth. He appoints them and he takes them away. You know, he, he judges them. Um, and the night that that, um, that handwriting comes upon the wall, that's the same night that that king is assassinated. King Darius um, is uh, not much better, unfortunately. <laughs> and, uh, and you know the story. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but... Uh, um, there's this rule, there's this decree. Oh, what happens is, is um, Daniel is said to be promoted above um, um, almost all of the country. Okay, so he's he's about to be promoted into this very important position, just basically second command, and all his competitors want to sabotage him. Okay, so they say they can't find any fault with him. Okay, he's dotted all the T's, crossed, you know, <laughs> dotted the I's, crossed the T's. He's done everything right. He's got a paper trail for everything. All his admin is up to date, and uh, they can't find any dirt on him. So they've got a problem. So they realize the only thing that they can do to sabotage Daniel is to catch him on one of his things around his faith, um, because they know he won't, he won't step back. He won't, you know, um, compromise on that. So they, have, they convinced the King Darius to set this decree that for a couple, this time period, nobody is allowed to pray to anybody else than to the king himself, or this crazy thing. And they set this decree in place because they know Daniel prays often. And he prays, you know, you know, he doesn't hide it away. And the scripture says that he continues his discipline of praying and giving thanks three times a day. And he's got his window open. And he prays and he gives thanks three times a day. Um, and he does it overtly. He's not hiding away. He knows what's coming. He knows that 
this is illegal right now. He knows that his life is in danger, but he, he sticks to that discipline. And uh, to be honest, this makes a lot of sense to me because Daniel didn't, in that kind of job, can you imagine, with amongst all those magicians and witch doctors and everybody else, he needed three quiet times a day, okay? Not just one. He just, he just realized, listen, I need to be praying a lot. I need God's wisdom. I need his, I need his insight. I need his direction. And so he, was, he made time three times a day to pray, to seek God's face, um, to get into his presence, to give thanks. And then the guys obviously called him out. And they reported him. But the powerful thing is, he, again, he, he refuses to conform. He refuses to change um, what he knows God has called him to do. He refuses to back down on what he knows. This is what God has called him to do. He knows he needs to give praise and thanks. And he, he continues. He doesn't, go, does, doesn't go and do it. Excuse me. He doesn't go and hide away. He doesn't um, maybe cut down to once a day. He continues in his discipline. Such a powerful example of somebody that's, that's seen the faithfulness of God. Amen. I don't know about you, but when things get really hectic, isn't there a temptation for us to say, Yo, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my quiet time a bit shorter. I'm gonna, you know, I need to just get through these exams. Maybe after the exam I'll, I'll, I'll you know, get more into the presence of God again. Or let me just finish this project, then I'll, be, I'll get back into it. But I get the feeling that Daniel's like, I need to get more into God's presence because it's going, it's, it's a rough season. Um, the more we need His presence, the more we, the more hectic things get, the more time we need in His presence, the more we need His wisdom, the more we need His um, insight and His direction. Amen. So, you know the story. Um, Darius is, is dismayed because he really likes Daniel and he's amazed by how how if you know the favor of God in his life and all the dreams and stuff, and then um, he's upset that Darius ugh, that the decree can't change the decree. Daniel has to be put into the lion's den. That's what the decree says. So, so he's all upset about it and he's concerned. And he, um, but Daniel is taken to the lion's den and he's chucked in there. And he and as he takes him down there, he asks. He says, "Daniel, I'm, I'm really." I'm really hoping this, this God of yours will deliver you from the lions, you know, because it's like, listen, I don't know what to do because I can't change this, this decree. And sure as anything, um, let's read here, Daniel chapter 6, uh, verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the, in the earth, peace be multiplied to you. Oh, no, this is afterwards. Okay, let's just hang on first for a moment. So then God delivers Daniel from the lions. He's, you know, he sends an angel. They stop the mouth of the lions. He's in a, in a place of absolutely certain death. He's delivered and he's saved. And again, this is the declaration from the king afterwards. He, he make, he make, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. This is the decree that he writes down. He sends it to the ends of his, his dominion. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be, um, shall be to the end. 
How powerful is that? He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. So again, we see this, this powerful dynamic where the, the most ungodly king proclaims the glory of God. And he makes a decree and he says, everybody has to be afraid of this God. <laughs> and everybody has to, has to respect this king of kings and this, this Lord. So all through all of this, the purposes of God are still coming to pass. His name is being glorified. And I can imagine, you know, maybe as, maybe as a young, as young men taken to that nation, maybe, I don't know, what were they praying? Were they praying that there would, there would be some kind of a Delta Force version of, you know, of the Israeli army that would come and save them or something? Or maybe they were praying that, that the king would, you know, become a, a believer that they would be have a Christian government. Maybe they were praying that. <laughs> um, maybe, they, I don't know what they were trusting God for, but I'm, I'm, I'm almost confident that this isn't what they thought was going to happen. Okay. But all throughout these crazy things happening, there's this powerful thread of God is still in control. He appoints kings. He takes them out of office. He puts them in office. He, he, he rules nations. He puts things into place. And His name is glorified in the most crazy ways that we can't even imagine. We, don't even, we can't even conceive of. And here's this, even Darius, he, he writes this and he makes a decree. And he makes this public declaration that this is the living God, enduring forever. His, his kingdom shall never be destroyed, and His dominion shall be to the end. Um, he didn't even know it, but he was a prophet. I mean, um, so then we go into the second, yeah, the last part of the book of Daniel. Um, the the whole thing around his um, visions is a whole sermon on its own. So I'm not going into that. So Daniel nine, ten, and you know, 10 and 10 to 12, we see all these visions happening. But I just want to mention this one bit here where um, Daniel pray, prays, he consults the scrolls about the, the, the captivity. And he realizes that there was a time frame that God spoke through the prophet, um, I think it was Jeremiah. And then he starts praying and fasting and says, Lord, this is your promise, this is your word. This is what you prophesied through Jeremiah, you know. Um, and then he, and there's this powerful thing that happens. There's an angel that appears to him. First, to, there's a one angel that comes to explain this vision that he had. Then there's another angel that comes, obviously, in good standing with the king there, with the Lord, because he was getting all these angels appearing to him. But, um, and the, the angel say, tells him the, that the moment he started praying and fasting, these prayers were heard. And an, the answer was dispatched. But there was a resistance. There was resistance in the spirit. There was a war going on in the spiritual realm. To such an extent that for three weeks there was this battle going on in the spirit. And that the angel, I think it was the angel Michael that had to come and help out and 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 
win this war in the spirit before the answer could actually reach Daniel, okay? But the powerful thing that I want to lift out here for us is that if he had given up after two days, and like, oh, this is too much, you know, this prayer and fasting thing isn't going to work, um, what would have happened? Because there was this war going on in the spirit, and if he, he persisted in prayer and fasting to see the, the purposes of God come to pass, to see, to pray those promises into being, even though he couldn't see the answer, um, he didn't receive the answer quickly, he had to persist. While I'm continuing, yo, you guys can bring the communion stuff along. Thanks. And uh, I want to encourage you. I just felt maybe there's somebody here that needs to hear this. Maybe you're praying for a loved one or you're praying for somebody to be, to be born again or you, you've been wrestling with something for a long time in prayer. I just want to encourage you to persist, specifically when it comes to praying for somebody's salvation or praying for the kingdom of God in your, in your in a, maybe in a workplace or in a specific family. Hang in there. Amen. Specifically those things where we know this is the will of God. I know it. I'm, I'm confident in this. Keep on praying. Keep on trusting. I, I had a friend of mine, uh, one of my good friends from primary school actually, um, and we we're good friends, and we lost touch a bit. We just saw each other like once a year for a couple of years, high school and, and into university and stuff. And um, in the meantime, I got um, spiritful, and I got baptized, and I was just, you know, really amazed by what God is doing through my life and just, just how God was healing and delivering and setting me free. And, uh, and I wanted to... You know, I was praying for my friend that he would experience the same thing, you know. And I, I wasn't even sure whether he was born again. We were all very religious back then in primary school. and But the Lord just, you know, kept on prompting me to pray for him. And, uh, and uh, years down the line, um, he, yeah, he also was born again. He was also baptized. He also got spirit-filled. And he also became a pastor. Can you believe it? And... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's just such always encouragement to me to, even when it takes 15, 20 years, to continue to persist in prayer for those that God lays in our hearts. I mean, maybe there's some that are even taking longer. I've got some family members that I've been praying for for a very long time. But I, I know that God is faithful. Amen. And I want to end with this um, scripture here from Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, verse, verse 19. This is, um, thanks. This is after uh, God gave Daniel the first um, dream. And the mystery, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of, of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in darkness, in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. Thanks. I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and you and have no have now made known to me what we asked of you. 
for you have made known to us the king's matter. Um, see, he mentions there what we have asked, what we asked of you. So him and his small group praying together. Amen. Um, but he proclaims that this is the God that um, he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings. He sets up kings. He's the one that gives wisdom. He's the one that gives understanding. Throughout all the chaos that we see on our planet, he's still in charge. He's still on the throne. You know, I have a friend that always used to say, when, when stuff goes very wrong, you know, and he just say, there's no panic button in heaven. There's no, Jesus is still on his throne. <laughs> Even when, when all our wheels come off, even when everything goes pear-shaped and everything t is different to what we thought or what we hoped, we can find absolute rest and peace in the knowledge that He is still in charge. He's still in control. And I know there's lots of, there's, there's, there's a, a challenging dynamic to this because bad things happen along the way. The hectic things happen evil men come into authority and we see that all over the world but somehow through the people that are faithful to him god's purposes remain and his plans continue so i want to encourage us you know maybe maybe we we don't need a christian government right now to see the kingdom of god coming in our nation Yes, we'll keep praying for our government to be saved. Praise the Lord. We'll keep praying for our leaders. Please do that. But maybe we should keep on pressing into God's presence about what is our role to see His kingdom coming where He has put us. Maybe you find yourself in a terribly ungodly work environment or community or even family or whatever the situation. But maybe... The challenge is to, to say, Lord, help me to pray according to your will. Align my prayers according to what you have. Oh, good, thanks so much. Good, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Mary. Help me to be like the sons of Issachar that, that understood, that knew the times and the seasons, that understood what, what we were supposed, what they were supposed to do. Maybe you're, you're like those young men that were taken out of what they, all their plans and out of all their, what they had in mind for themselves, and everything changed. And now they're trying to make sense of this. Where's God's plan? Where's God's presence? How is this possible? What's going to happen? I want to encourage you to press into Him, to keep your heart pure before Him, keep, remain faithful to Him, and He will remain faithful to His promise. Amen. I want to encourage us that we cannot underestimate the power of a community where we can trust God together. We can pray for these miracles together. Where We can say to all my friends or my small group, guys, I need to hear God's voice about this. I'm trusting. Please pray with me. Or, praying for breakthrough. Please pray with me for my friend's salvation. Please pray with me for my boss or whatever the situation is. Guys, let's not isolate ourselves in a in, in sense of community, in the sense of supporting each other, in the sense of you know, walking by faith together, walking this road of faith together. Mm -hmm.
Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.